The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. St. Stephen, the First Martyr. The days that followed Pentecost witnessed the conversion of many in Jerusalem. A great number of the conversions could be attributed to the ability of the apostles to speak in different tongues. The fast-growing group of Christians was a source of annoyance to the Sanhedrin. They began to realize that the work of the Galilean had not ended at Calvary. One day, Peter and John were walking along the road when they came upon a crippled beggar. Arms, arms for a poor cripple. I'm sorry, friend, but I have no money. Please have pity. Surely you have something for a poor cripple? Yes, my son, I have. Silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and walk. Arise and walk? But I cannot see my legs, see how crooked they... But no, they're straight. I can walk. For the first time in my life, I can walk. Remember in what name you have received this gift. Give thanks to Jesus. Be faithful to him and you will receive an even greater gift, life everlasting. News of the miracle spread fast. Hundreds flocked to Solomon's portico to view the one responsible for performing the miracle. And in the gathering were two young Christians, Stephen and Nicholas. Isn't it wonderful, Nicholas? We're increasing in number and strength every day. Yes, miracles seem to draw them. Yes, but it will take more than that to hold them. What do you mean, Stephen? Unless they derive from it a more lasting effect such as a revelation of truth or an increase of faith, the miracle will soon be forgotten. 
Except, of course, by the one who benefited by it. Well, do you think that all these people are just curious? And after that, after, after they've seen the man who was cured and Peter who did the curing, they'll go away and forget about it? They would if Father Peter weren't wise enough to realize that a miracle is only the means to an end. Well, what do you think he'll do? Listen, Father Peter is about to speak now. Brethren, you have heard that a poor cripple was cured. In your natural curiosity, you've come to see for yourselves. Let me first of all assure you that what you have heard is true. Yes, a cripple walks today. But brethren, do not credit me with extraordinary powers. This cure was performed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, my friends, he has permitted me his most unworthy servant, to thus manifest his power, his mercy, his love. Listen to him, Nicholas. Isn't he magnificent? He stirred them to the depths of their souls. This miracle has been permitted to prove the divinity and immortality of Jesus. It is symbolic of an even greater wonder which is offered to all of you. I refer to the miracle of his love and forgiveness, the gift of life everlasting, which he offers to all who will accept his way. Now do you understand, Nicholas? The miracle has served its purpose. They came out of curiosity, but they will remain out of love. You'd like to speak to them too, wouldn't you? I can see it in your eyes. I pray for the day when I may do something for the master. Well, perhaps you'll have your opportunity, Stephen. Nicholas, look. Aren't those the high priest's guards who approach Peter? Yes. They're taking hold of Peter. They're arresting him. That evening in the sumptuous quarters of the high priest, the miracle was discussed from an entirely different point of view. Well, I'll make short work of them tomorrow. Who are the prisoners, my lord? The older one is called Peter. Apparently he's the leader of the group. The other is named John. Peter, yes, I've heard of him. What is the charge against them? They cured a cripple. Is that a crime? Ah, but you see, they did it by sorcery. By speaking a certain name. What name? Well, according to the report, these two met a cripple who begged for alms. This, Peter, is reputed to have said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. And he did? Well, they claim he was cured, but we shall make sure. I've ordered him to appear at the trial tomorrow. I thought we'd finished with that, Nazarene. There are many who believe he arose from the dead. No idiots. He's as dead as any other corpse. This group is trying to profit from his popularity by keeping alive his memory with stories of a resurrection. Don't forget, his body did disappear. I'll find those responsible for that trick and punish them. I'm afraid you're undertaking an impossible task. From the way you're talking, I'd almost suspect you believe their story. I've given the matter much thought, and I can find no answer that makes sense. The tomb was sealed and guarded. Well, that incident is in the past. I'll have no more tricks from any of them. And I'll make short work of those two at the trial tomorrow. But, my lord, from what I've heard, this Peter is not an easy one to intimidate. Really? Now, we'll see. (laughs) 
an unusually large crowd gathered to witness the trial of Peter and John. In an obscure corner stood two who awaited the outcome with anxiety. Imagine it, Stephen. For doing a good deed, one is thrown into prison. Is that their idea of justice? I don't believe it was the cure that aroused their anger. What they can't tolerate is the fact that it was performed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. But after all the manifestations of his divinity, his resurrection, the miracles he performed, and which he still permits through his disciples, when will they acknowledge him? I'm afraid some of them never will, Nicholas. What an unfortunate turn of events to be seized just as he was winning so many souls by his eloquence. I just pray that Peter will have enough eloquence to defend himself. Look, the high priest has entered. Bring forth the prisoners. Silence! Which one of you is called Peter? I am Peter, my lord. Leader of the so-called Christians? I am a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, you've been brought here as a result of an incident in which a cripple is reported to have been cured by, uh, well, shall we say, unusual means. Now, is it true that you, Peter, performed this cure? Yes, my lord. And by what authority was this cure performed? Rulers of the people and elders, if we are on trial today because of a good work done to a cripple, as to how this man has been cured, be it known to all of you that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even in his name does the cripple stand here before you sound. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Prisoners will be taken from the council chamber while their fate is decided. Once the chamber was cleared, the high priest addressed the others. Well, what are we to do now? Personally, I think the arrest was a mistake. I'm inclined to agree. Certainly we can't convict them of fraud. The cured one was present for all to see. Well, frankly, I didn't expect this uh, Peter to be so outspoken. And I suggest we let them go with a strict warning to cease preaching in the name of the Nazarene. We must give thanks to the Lord for this victory. Do you consider it a victory, Stephen? Certainly. Oh, I know they're free, but that was a pretty strong warning the high priest gave them. That won't stop them. Not now. Oh, that I could join them in spreading the word of the Lord. You must like the taste of danger, Stephen. No. It's just that I have the greatest desire to preach the name of Jesus. sent for me, my lord. Yes, Joshua. What have you heard of Peter and his Christians lately? Well, they are around. Don't avoid the issue. They're carrying on just as they did before the trial. I'll not have it, you understand? Yes, my lord. What are your plans? I've given orders to have them arrested and thrown into prison for disobeying the Sanhedrin. Yes. 
it would seem as though we're doomed to spend most of our time in prison. Do not be despondent, my friends. We must look for God's will in all these trials. But, Father Peter, how can we serve the Lord if we're forever being hampered by imprisonment? Remember, the Master told us that if we would serve him, we must take up his cross. Thus far, our sufferings have not begun to compare with his. Father Peter, look over there. It's an angel. Go. Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Nicholas, I've just come from the temple. Peter and the others are there preaching. But they were arrested yesterday. They were set free. What do you mean? I heard that in the night an angel appeared and opened the doors for them and told them to go to the temple to preach. What do you mean they're not in the prison? It's a fact, my lord. And my men found the prison securely locked, and the guards were on duty. But uh, when we went inside, no one was there. That's impossible. Is it? Remember, there was a tomb once that was sealed and guarded. Now, don't remind me of that. This time, there will be no disappearances. They'll be found and brought to trial. We strictly told you not to teach in his name. You're trying to bring this man's blood upon us. We must obey God rather than men. God exalted him with his right hand to be prince and savior, to grant repentance and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to all who obey him. Enough! I say they should be put to death just as their leader was. Yeah, wait, should we not heed the words of the learned Gamemiel? Now, what is he to say about all this? He has warned us to take care what we do to these men. He reminds us of Theodos, who rose up some time ago, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 joined him, but he was slain, and his followers were dispersed. What does that to do with this present situation? Gamemiel points out that if this plan is the work of men, it will be overthrown. But if by any chance it is the work of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. Well, perhaps you're right, Joshua. Now take the prisoners out and let them be scourged. And let it be clearly understood that this is our final warning. And after all that, Nicholas, they went away rejoicing. Well, their lives were spared. Oh, but theirs wasn't a joy caused by relief. It was something else, something much greater. They were happy that they could suffer in his name. Is that what you want, Stephen? To suffer in his name? I don't know. If you could have seen them as they walked by, I, I was moved to the very depths of my soul. I do wish that I could take a more active part in the work myself. A situation was developing which would bring to Stephen the realization of his dream. Peter was just concluding a consultation with the other apostles. 
then it is agreed that we should not neglect the word of God to serve a table. And it is further agreed that we should recommend to the brethren that they select seven men of good reputation to carry on that work. Very well. I shall put our plan before the brethren in our very next meeting. I wonder why we've been summoned, Nicholas. I have no idea, Stephen. The only message I received was to report here to Peter. Ah, Stephen, Nicholas, come in. Thank you, Father. The others are already assembled. Perhaps you may have heard about the unrest among the Hellenists. For one thing, they complain that their widows are being neglected in the daily ministration. After consultation, we have agreed that we should not forsake the word of God and serve at table. We advise the brethren to select seven men of good reputation that we may put in charge of that work. You who are assembled here today have been chosen. We have been chosen. Stephen, step forward. Kneel. Lord Jesus, I pray thee be pleased to accept this man as thy servant. Bless his efforts and let him know the comfort of thy love. At last, Stephen had found his place in the Lord's vineyard. He worked diligently to bring forth an abundant harvest. He soon became a familiar and somewhat controversial figure. Brethren, I exhort you, throw off the old law. It has served its purpose. We are of the new generation. Listen to me, listen. I speak the truth. Accept the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. He is the fulfillment of the law. No, no, no. I'm not saying that you should cease preaching, Stephen, but can't you use a little more tact? You seem to antagonize them so. It's not I, but the truth that disturbs them. I must make them understand that there is now a new law, Based on the teachings of Jesus. But, Stephen, I'm afraid for your safety. I appreciate your concern, Nicholas. But I've found my work at last, and I shall not be diverted from my purpose. It was bad enough with Peter and the others. Now I have to contend with this young visionary... uh, What's his name? Are you referring to Stephen, my lord? Stephen, yes, that's the one. It was amusing at first to watch him stand up and expound his theories before his elders, but... It It ceased to amuse when the elders could not refute his claims. Stop putting words in my mouth. I have a plan. I shall send for two old friends, Malachi and his brother. They have been useful to me in the past. Oh, yes, I know the ones you mean. Professional paid witnesses, aren't they? Blasphemy. Yes. That is a serious charge, Nicholas. Are you sure you were informed correctly? Yes, Father Peter, I've been reliably informed. The high priest has brought in false witnesses. They intend to bring Stephen to trial on the charge of blasphemy, saying he seeks to destroy the law of Moses and the temple. They will not easily relinquish the law they've followed for so many centuries. We must learn to be patient with them. 
Well, then you think that Stephen has been too impetuous. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through him. Is there anything that we can do for him? Yes, Nicholas, we can pray for him. We can pray that he'll have courage equal to his convictions when he is put to the supreme test. You have heard the charges of this witness. He has heard you say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this holy place and change the traditions which Moses handed down to us. Are these things so? Moses received the law from God. I've never denied that. I have taught what Jesus himself said, that he came not to destroy the law and the prophets. And yet you would have us forget the law. Open your hearts and your minds. Read the prophets, their predictions of a Messiah to come. Then compare those prophecies with the facts you have concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Father Peter, what do you think of his chances? I'm not too hopeful, Nicholas. It's a conflict of faiths. I believe that neither will submit. Well, then what will they do to him? The penalty for blasphemy is death, Nicholas. Death? So that's his destiny. Why do you say that? Once Stephen almost envied you and the other apostles because you suffered in the Lord's name. Look at his face. Yes. It's a glow like that of an angel. Hush. High priest is about to speak again. And what of the charge that you have spoken again at the temple? Again, I say to you, read the prophets. The heaven is my throne, and the earth a footstool for my feet. What house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what shall be the place of my resting? Did not my hand make all this? Listen to him. He would twist the words of the prophets for his own use. Stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ear, you always oppose the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so you do also. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Must you hear more? I say take him out and stone him! They seized Stephen and dragged him outside. Peter and Nicholas followed at a discreet distance. Stop here. We must not go nearer. I should do something. I should run to his aid, but I can't. I know that feeling only too well. But this is Stephen's hour, known to God before ever he was born. We each come to it at a time set by God. I pray I shall have Stephen's courage. Wait, I think, I think Stephen's going to speak. Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. Commence his soul to the Lord. Lord, do not lay this sin against them. The execution was over. Stephen, the first of many martyrs, had shed his blood in closest imitation of the master. After the fury of the crowd subsided and they dispersed, the Christians attended to the somber task of burying Stephen's body. 
Peter spoke to those who had assembled in final tribute to Stephen. Brethren, be not sorrowful. There's no cause for tears, but rather for rejoicing. For as Stephen shared the sufferings of the Lord Jesus, so does he now share in his glory. Let the events of this day be not a reason for bitterness or hatred, but rather let them inspire us with joy and gratitude that one of us was given the grace to set so high an example. Stephen was given the grace of martyrdom, a destiny which may well await many of us who stand here now. So with complete faith in the promises of Jesus, let us put to rest this broken body till it be one day reunited with its glorified soul. Father Peter, do you think that Stephen's sacrifice will do any good? It gave glory to God. I watched their faces as they went about the execution. They were so determined, so sure that they were right. One of them especially... Did you notice him, Father Peter? Which one do you mean, Nicholas? Oh, the man before whom the witnesses laid down their garments. Oh, that one. Yes. Do you know him, Father Peter? Yes. He's a most formidable adversary. And a brilliant one. What a victory for the master's cause if he could be converted. What's his name? He's called Saul of Tarsus. to thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.